Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to episode 92 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast for civil engineering professionals who want to succeed. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, a licensed professional engineer turned executive coach and speaker, and I now focus on helping engineers become more effective managers and powerful leaders. I personally believe that to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must consistently improve your skill sets. And that is why we publish this podcast to give you a free, easy-to-access resource to help you improve your career and life overall. In this episode, I'm taking you with me to visit TM Associates headquarters in Middletown, New Jersey, where we are going to sit down with Isan Alfayumi and talk business development for civil engineers. Isan serves as Senior Vice President of TM Associates and has nearly 30 years of experience in environmental consulting. But what he also has is a ton of business development experience. Isan has helped to grow TM's Ohio operations very rapidly. And if you want to learn business development as a civil engineer, why not talk to a civil engineer who's done a ton of business development? And that's exactly what we're about to do. I also want to mention that Isan holds a Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering from Western Kentucky University. And He's just about got as much energy as any civil engineer that I know. So before we jump into the interview with Isan, I would like to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI, by reminding you to stick around until the end of this podcast episode for my essential career advancement tips. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical advice and the best resources for your licensure exam including an exclusive 20% off discount available only to our listeners thanks to our sponsor, PPI. You won't want to miss it. I also want to remind you that the next session of our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop starts on September 14th. The details are at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. If you're not familiar with the workshop, I will tell you more about it at the end of the episode. With that, let's head down to TNM and jump into the interview with Isan Alpha Yumi. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Isan, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be here. Isan, we're going to talk a little bit today about you know business development and relationship building. I would say that these are things that are probably a little bit uncomfortable for engineers and technical professionals. It's something I know that you're very good at, and you've done a lot of work in developing those skills. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, I'm a civil engineer by education, went to school in Kentucky, and uh, actually started as a coal mining engineer for about five years, then uh, moved to Ohio, worked for McCaffinetti at the time, and did uh, uh, different things from uh, industrial water treatment to uh, municipal wastewater. Then I got into the environmental field when it was uh, kicking in high gear 
back in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, got into the remediation, uh, solid waste, compliance and permitting. Then I've uh, joined Brown and Caldwell for about 10 years, and I've been here at TNM as the Midwest Regional Manager and the Practice Leader for uh, Water Resources and uh, Environmental Services for the past six years. Okay, great. So you've had a career where you've been at different size companies, different locations, you've got to experience different things. And from my understanding, when you came here, you have become very integral in expanding the company geographically. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit? We started in uh, Columbus, Ohio. It was uh, when we joined uh, uh, TNM back in uh, 2012. And uh, our mission was to kind of build a practice that uh, complement what TNM is doing here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but with more emphasis on the local market and the local client base. Our uh, vision was to really provide services by becoming partners with our clients, by understanding their needs, by understanding their drivers in business. And you know, we were just coming off the uh, deep recession so uh, most of our clients wanted to do more with less. Technology was a big driver for that. So uh, we built a, a robust uh, GIS practice that helped us open the door with very key clients that created other opportunities with other services, such as uh, environmental, municipal, water, wastewater, and other services. So, Isan, had you ever, before that time, had you ever done something like that before you started, you know, try to grow something in a new geographical region? Yes, I uh, did. Uh, well, back in my early days as a young engineer, as a coal mining engineer, I remember we wanted to grow beyond the coal mining industry. We knew that was kind of not a growing market. It was becoming flat. So... That's when we uh, expanded our horizon into the environmental field, trying to get more than the phase ones, phase two, back in the day, the underground storage tanks. So we kind of expanded from what I call a known commodity business to a new area. So uh, it was not obviously to the magnitude that we have done it recently with TNM. But all these uh, areas have one thing in common is you have to understand your local market, you have to understand your clients, and you have to understand the drivers. And uh, starting a business is always easy. Is The challenge is being sustainable and successful in the long term. Okay, so long-term growth. So I know that for engineers, an opportunity like this can be a big career opportunity, right? You right. come to a company, you have the opportunity to start a department, you start an office, you start a region, and grow it. So I'm wondering for you going into it, your own personal mindset, what was that like? Was it something that, I mean, it seems like a very big challenge. Was it something that you were confident about? Did you have some, was it, did you feel like there was a lot of pressure? You know, what was your mindset going in? You know, I always say uh, everything starts with a plan and a vision. And you really have to believe with your plan and with your vision. And one of the biggest advices I could give anybody is whenever you whenever you're going to achieve your goals, don't change your goals, change your plan. Because, you know, the goals are not to be changed. And when we started, it was not easy. It was not easy. I remember us starting in a, 
uh, one office was five of us. I mean, uh, communication, the noise levels, the uh, disappointment of our first big loss was not easy to take. So setbacks are opportunities. And uh, this is something I've learned early on. And you have to overcome challenges. And the key, if you ask me, what was the key component is having the right people and being resilient to whatever challenges come across the way. You have to stay focused and you have to stay driven and keep moving forward. That's great. I love what you said there in terms of don't change the goal. Change the process. Change the plan. Retool yourself because... I think it happens a lot to engineers, or really everyone, is that you have this goal, you don't reach the goal, and then you kind of like go away, you give up on it because right, you just right. feel like you weren't able to do it. And you know, I find that with myself all the time. If I'm trying to achieve something in the business or whatever the case may be, and it's not working, I'll buy a new book. You know, maybe right. I need better, you know, negotiating skills. Maybe right, I need right. better relationship building skills. You know, I was just thinking about this myself, and like in terms of growing, you know, our business with the coaching and training is. Maybe I need to, you know, have some time where I'm just thinking for a right, couple hours, right? right? right like right. brainstorming, strategic thinking. So I get outside of the details as opposed to giving up on those goals. Exactly. And I'll tell you that you just reminded me of an, an, another important factor, which is making sure when you have the right team, like uh, from the book, from uh, good to great, you want to make sure you have the right people on the bus. Not only that, you want to make sure that you have the right people in the right seats. You want to, whoever is doing your marketing needs to be the person who's really good marketer. The technical person is really in the technical seat. And sometimes we have tendencies to mix and match. And when that happens, it becomes a challenge because then the projects are not going to go well and it's going to result for a dissatisfied client. And then you have a bigger challenge in your hands. So having the right people, the right team, everybody's doing what they are good at, what they need to do, and loving what they're doing is what gets you the right place. So in terms of Ohio, this is something I'm, you know, you're still working on. You're, I'm sure, continuing to focus on growing the operation there. But was there a point in time where you kind of – I would imagine in any – when you do this anywhere, you try to grow an operation in a new region, you have to get to a point where it becomes sustainable, right? right. So that you're not saying, like, man, we're still not here yet. We still don't re- we're not really established yet. We still have to yeah. go – was there a point in time where you kind of said like, all right, I think we're here for good. I think we've got to a point now where we're here and we're just going to grow it. Was there some kind of milestone that you felt? Absolutely. Our goal from the beginning was to really focus on anchor clients and anchor projects. And what I mean by that is uh, clients that you're going to be working with year in, year out. Yeah. Projects that are long-term projects, net one and done. And... You know, our business, although it's engineering, as it's like every other business, it's all based on relationships. So developing, working for the right client and working for the right team and having the right projects is key. So for us, we avoided risky projects. We had projects where we turned down because we were not equipped to really deliver the best product we can. So we passed on it. So we are very smart about our pursuits. Very smart about where we want to be and which projects we want to go after that's going to help us get to where we want to be. So to your question, I think after the second, maybe the second year, you know, we kept growing year after year. 
But as we developed our good base and we knew our backlog was pretty healthy, was uh, you know moving forward, you know we don't sell products, we sell services. Right. So it's the talent. So the chicken and the egg what comes first. Yeah. And when you start to have a nice base, then that afforded us the opportunity to hire more talented staff. And in areas where we knew we could add value and grow. Gotcha. Okay, that's great. And one of the things that you said there that I think is really important in, and I try to do a lot of reading about this myself in business development and growth, is decision-making, you know, smart decision-making, not emotional decision-making, right? Right, right. And right. you talked about it with projects, you know, making smart project and client decisions. Is that something that you personally focus on in terms of not trying to get caught up in the moment and making these decisions, but trying to have some kind of process or some kind of strategy? Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite books is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Because mm. in business, uh, you have to separate emotions from uh, everyday decisions making. Because I always say when emotions walk in, logic walks out. So you have to be a smart business person. And believe me, there are moments where your reaction is exactly the opposite of what needs to be done. So it's very important to stay balanced and it's very important not to react. Our model always been to be proactive rather than reactive. Because when we react, we really don't take all factors in. It's, uh, you have to continue to read and improve yourself. Everything is about communication. Mm -hmm. And the more data you have, the more reference points you have, the better decisions you're going to make. And uh, for us, the vision was key to our success because, as we know, what's working today may not necessarily work tomorrow. As we all know, technology right now is a big driver in every business. Sure. We, we've seen what happens with Toys R Us and, yeah. and Blockbusters and Sears, some of those big conglomerate companies that did not change with time, and now they are falling behind. So yeah. you have to stay ahead of the curve. It's a company called it Amazon. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, uh... All right, so I, I like the theme here that I'm seeing, which is your vision and your goals are important. And you need to have some smart processes for making decisions to get towards those goals, not necessarily emotional decisions, not necessarily quitting because you didn't get to your goal when you tried something, right? Which I like because it is important. In fact, I'm working with an engineer right now in terms of, you know, providing some coaching and guidance and he wants to do some things in his career. He wants to grow. So I said, listen, why don't one of the first things we do is come up with some of your main, you know, key decision-making factors that you have to stick by. Otherwise, when things come across your plate, how do you know if it's good for you or not, right? right? You have right. to have some kind of guiding light, so to speak. So that's good to think about. Isan, let's switch gears a little bit here. You mentioned relationship building. That's one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about because I know that if you're, you know, starting somewhere in a new region and you're growing a business unit or a portion of a business, new service line, whatever it is, it's all about relationships. Right. I mean, business development and even in management, like you talked about, having the right people in the right seats, you got to get to know people. This is everything we do is relationships. Right. So to start off here, what is your, I don't know, maybe like your overall philosophy or your thoughts on, on relationships and building relationships? To me, it's very simple. You have to conduct yourself, obviously, first and foremost, with uh, honesty and integrity with your clients. That should be the basis. But uh, I'm proud to say uh, we have clients that have been working with for 28 years. 
I know TNM started with eight clients 52 years ago, and now we're still working for seven out of the eight. Wow. So that's really very powerful. So in order to build relationships, you have to have trust. Trust is very important on both sides, the client and yourself. And you have, I think one of the biggest things most people they do a good job of is not listening. Listening mm-hmm. to the client's needs, understanding their drivers, to me is very key. Because, you know, when we meet with a client, clients have issues, have problems, they can hire any consultant. But usually they go with somebody that they are very comfortable with. Right. Somebody that they can get along with, somebody who understands the lead, somebody who's going to be ahead ahead of them in tackling their problems and their, and their issues. And we like to work with clients who appreciate value, not price. I always say there's a big difference. It's when we provide value, nobody ever complains. It's uh, when you go after commodity business, then it's, uh, in my opinion, it's uh, a race to the bottom because nobody wins. And, we, and you see it a lot of times, sure. whether it's on a plane or in a car where the price prices the driver quality is not there, you know, things get done, but they are not done the best way they should be done. And I'm not saying expensive, I'm saying value. You have to provide your clients with the best value there is. And, you know, and uh, when that, when you do that, then you're going to get repeat business. Clients is going to come to you because you're giving them good product, a good price, you meet the deadlines, you anticipate problems and you take care of them before they happen. And slowly you're building that nice, solid relationship with the client where it's hard for them to change. Right. So how do you build trust? Well, trust, you cannot build it overnight. The trust is something that takes time. Trust is something you build through actions. Okay. This is what you do when uh, you deliver, when your word is your action when you uh, meet the client's demands, when you do not put the client in a bad spot. Client needs that report for his meeting with his boss and you deliver the report on time. And I always say, you have to make the client look good by doing the right thing for them, by delivering on your promises, by doing what you promised. I want to try to help some of our listeners who are up-and-coming civil engineering professionals that are they're going to be tasked with business development. Yeah. You know, and it's not something that they get taught in school. There's no really classes. We don't really learn that. You probably learn a lot of it on the job. Hopefully you get to have a mentor or a supervisor like you that has experience with this. But maybe the best way for me to ask you this is, how do you teach it? So you have people in your organization, you know, you can only do so much as the organization right. grows. You need more people to be like right. Isan. What's kind of your philosophy on helping people to get good at some of these things? Well, it starts with mentoring. You know, you have a young engineer. I always, you know, used to go to meetings with my boss at the time. And I've learned through the years, going back again, clients do not like surprises. Clients understand problems can happen. And more often than not, they appreciate honesty. Coming to them, you know what? We have this issue. We'll let you know about it, where it happens. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing to take care of it. And we're going to move forward. Some, ahead of it. Absolutely. Ahead. Some people, if you look at most of the problems with clients, with projects, is when people try to hide the problems or run away from it. Being transparent is 
with your client, being open, and tackling the issues as they come. And I'm going to go again to listening. A lot of times we hear, mm-hmm. I've been to many meetings where we'll be, I'll be with a couple engineers and we'll leave the meeting and everybody heard something different. person said the same thing. Client said the same thing. Right. Everybody heard something different. And we need to kind of be smart about understanding what the client is trying to tell us. And when you understand whether it's a political driver that's moving the project right. forward or is financial or it's regulatory driven, whether it's, you know, whatever the reason might be, that dictates what kind of projects you're going to have to deliver. That's a great point in that when you go into these meetings, there's so much information that's put out there that sometimes we don't pay attention to because whatever, you're busy, you're taking a note, you're thinking about the technical component of the project, that these people are saying things that are giving you the drivers behind their project, behind what they're doing, if there's a problem. In fact, I was just reading a book and the guy was negotiating a real estate deal and he was talking to the broker and the broker's telling him like, listen, this is a great building, it's a cash cow, it's got all students renting it. The guy's thinking to himself, why would they be selling something like this? So he kept asking questions and finally the guy said, you know, the owner's got a couple of the properties that are not doing well and he's got to, he needs to pay those off, right? So like a light bulb went off, he's like, you know, that's the information that I wanted. But, you know, he was saying so many things, but this guy was sitting there and he was just listening and listening and listening. And in fact, this guy happens to be a, he was a previously like a hostage negotiator. And he said when they used to do these hostage calls, he'd have five people from the FBI around the table all listening because of exactly what you just said. Everyone's hearing different things. Right. And then they would go back and they would collect their notes and I would look at it. So it's really good advice. And if you want to get into business development and just relationship building in general, which is important in every aspect of what we do, try to go to meetings with your supervisor whenever you can. Try to tag along, listen to what people say and see what you can make out of that. Because really, like, it's going to be hard. I mean, you can read some great books on relationship building, but you need to put the skills into practice, right? Like to do what Isan's saying and build the trust. One thing, Isan, that you mentioned that I just want to talk about a little bit more in terms of, you know, honesty and having these conversations with your clients that I think really help you to build trust is difficult conversations. I mean, if you're going to be, in my opinion, if you're going to be good at business development and good at relationship building, you're going to have to get good at having difficult conversations. Right, right, right. What would you say about that? Definitely. It's not easy. I mean, especially for uh, the up-and-comer young engineers, you doing this project, right. very key project, very important. Then, you know, something, something goes south and things will go south and every once in a while. But that's when, you know, I remember um, one of my first projects when I got hired at Metcalfinetti, we won a project to design above ground storage tank farm for them. And uh, it was my maybe second week with Metcalfinetti. Mm. It was for Rockwell. We had our meeting there, and Rockwell sat on the project for about two years. So we revised our cost estimate, gave it to them. We had our meeting. Project engineer from Rockwell went up to his supervisor. He came back. He said, either you guys stick to the original price or you are fired. And I mean, my face turned red, and it's like, wow, what do we do now? And I remember, it's like, okay, it's me and my boss at the time. We left, like, what do we do now? I mean, it was a big project, so it was the reason why they hired me to kind of run it. And uh, In other words, you couldn't ask for an extra? You had we to- could not ask for an extra. We went back, and I said, you know what? We need to go back and see what changed from the original from two years ago 
with, you know, let's just go item by item, see what they ask for, what's extra, what's not extra. Anyway, we came back and I think we are within 25%. And we presented to them why the price changed, what we cut down, which was important because, you know, it's very important to let the client know what you took out and why. Right. Otherwise, they're going to assume you're really just increasing the price for the sake of increasing it. So, okay, you guys ask for all these additional items. That's why the price went up. We went from manual uh, controls to automatic controls. We went there. We went through everything and we said, okay, so now we think these items are very important. We're just going to put you a little bit over. But it's up to you. You can take them out if you want. But this is what we think right now. And you know what? We got back in. We're still doing work for them today. Wow. And that was back in 1992, I believe. So, you know, it's uh, so it, it just uh, things going to happen. But you thought it through. You took your time. You went back. You looked at everything logically. And right. you wanted to present it to them and make them clear of everything that went on as opposed to, I think, like we talked about before, in these situations, you can just respond. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or argue or accept anything. It's not going to get you to where you want to go. No, no. And there's times where we walked from a project because we could not come to terms. So sometimes it's hard to do the right thing because you think you're leaving a big project, getting away from a big project, getting away from a big opportunity. But if things are not aligned and things are not right and you can't deliver, you have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to lose money. Todd's going to be upset. Things are not going to go the way you hope they do. Wow, that's, that was an interesting story. So let's just talk a little bit about management for a minute. You're growing an organization now. So as your Ohio organization grows, that means you need more people, which means you need more managers. In terms of management, like your own style, I know that there's different styles where you can be more hands-on or you could be the kind of person that says, listen, I want you to take this and run with it. What is your style like? My style, one of my favorite business books, which I highly recommend, for uh, people to read is Jack Welch winning. Jack Welch uh, had a quote in there that said, uh, hire the right person, give them wings to fly in form of a good compensation and let them go, give them direction, let them go. I like to hire successful people who understand our roadmap, where we want to go, and they get out of the way. I'm not a micromanager. I think micromanagement stifles talent, stifles growth. And when you do that, it's, uh, you're going to be scratching your head in a year or two. Why aren't we growing? And why are we struggling? Don't get me wrong. You need to monitor things. Right. But to me, it starts with hiring the right person. And just let them run. And that's how the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, sure. were able to grow and expand. Yeah, and again, I mean, you're seeing, I think, here in this conversation that whenever you want to do something successful, whenever you have goals, you have to have strategies in place, right? Hiring here right. is a big strategy, hiring the right people. I'm sure that Isan and his colleagues have an idea when they sit down with someone, right? The type of person they're looking for. If it's not the right person, not going to make the hire, right? right. I mean, right. it's another one of those things. You can meet someone, you get really excited. We had a good interview, but you really got to listen to them. You got to look at, you know, what their experience is. You got to talk to them about your vision. You got to make sure that everything fits together. Absolutely, Tony. And sometimes we had people who really could have had a great financial impact on the organization, but they were not a fit culturally. We knew 
if they would have came into the office, they were going to disturb the balance and it was not going to be a good thing. And sometimes it's hard to turn that away, mm-hmm. knowing that the person could really give you two, three million dollars of revenue that would really boost right. your top line. But it's all the different pieces, as you mentioned, have to come and gel together. Have to come together. And also it's thinking about long term, not necessarily short term. Short term, right? right. So let me ask you this question. Looking back on your career so far, date, I know that I'm sure that it was a you know consistent trajectory of work, right? Work over work over work over time, continually adding up. But if you look back, like, is there a couple of things that maybe stand out for you that you may have done for yourself, for your skill sets, for something that really stand out to you when you look back today? Say, man, I remember I did this one or two things that really helped me in my career. Is there anything that jumps out at you? Yeah. One of the biggest things, obviously, for me was when I decided two changes in my career. When I made the move to Ohio from my first company, that was a big jump. You know, leaving when I went to school, leaving everything I know and just going to a place where, you know, I don't know anything about and going with a bigger company. That was a big challenge. There was a risk that I had to take in order to improve my career and in order to move to a different uh, progression path than I had. And I did a lot of evaluation, a lot of comparisons. If I stay here, this is the path I'm going to take. If I take the jump, it's riskier and it's harder. And the second one is when I decided to uh, make the move from a good, great job. My previous company, wonderful company. Everything was great, but this was a great opportunity. Sometimes making the change, you make it not because your current opportunity is bad, but the new opportunity is fantastic. So those two areas is changing before you have to change. Right. It's such a key. And I'll tell you. I look back and uh, I look at what we've done in the past six years. I'm very proud of it. It was not easy. Sure. But so out of this, I guess uh, the key is change before you have to change. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, listen, we tend to get comfortable at times. Like Isan said, he had a great job before he came here. He probably could have stayed there and he would have been comfortable. But he decided to push himself. Right. Try something that was very challenging. And so far, he succeeded. I'm sure he'll tell you that he has a lot of work left to do, but he made the move. And again, that, that's great. So think about in your career, you may be comfortable, which is fine, but maybe you want to do something different. Maybe you want to go into your supervisor's office and say, listen, I want to start up a new service here. You know, I want to start up a new market here. There's some new technology coming out. I want to learn about it and become an expert in this field, right? That's kind of what one of the things with this podcast that we're hoping to like inspire you to do is think about where you can broaden your horizons and where you can push yourself, because most likely, I mean, you're hearing it right here. I'm speaking with a gentleman who's had a lot of success, but I'm asking him, what are a couple of the key movers in his career, the key drivers? And it seems like it's when he decided to push himself outside of your comfort zone, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fear you get when you are comfortable to make the jump is not real. Just, you know, the opportunities are there. And the only person that you need to push it yourself. You know, uh, you see it in uh, sports where some of the big names, big stars will take pay cut because they want to be on a championship team. They want their career to move because they understand that little short-term pay cut is going to pay off dividends in the long term. So it's uh, the opportunities are all around you. Follow your passion and they will lead you to greener and greater pastures. Yeah, that's great. 
And I would also say that if you go through your entire career or you've gone through your career to this point and you've never been uncomfortable, it's probably not a good thing because right. we want to become uncomfortable. We want to push ourselves instead of just staying there and doing the same thing. Now, who knows? Maybe for you, you want to stay in a role where you're comfortable. That's fine. But most of the people that I talk to that are really passionate and happy and fulfilled in their careers, they went through a time where they were uncomfortable. Right. They took right. a risk. They did something. Sometimes it worked out. Maybe sometimes it didn't. Like Isan said, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that the goal is off. It means that maybe the process you took or the exact whatever the mechanism you used wasn't there and you can maybe reevaluate it. Lots of interesting things we're talking about here. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to take a break for a minute. Isan and I are going to come back and we're going to finish up this interview with our civil engineering hot seat segment where we just give Isan a few last questions. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you're enjoying our discussion so far with Isan Alfayumi. Now we're going to jump into our CE Hot Seat segment where we rattle off a few professional development questions to Isan. But before we do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor, PPI. I have some big news for my civil engineer listeners. If you've been thinking of getting your PE license, but you're unsure of where to start, now is the perfect time to check out PPI2Pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers, and I was one of them, 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Best of all, PPI has recently released a brand new Civil Engineering Reference Manual, the essential book for your PE civil exam prep. Visit PPI2Pass.com to order the new Civil Engineering Reference Manual and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI2Pass.com. I also have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TCE8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TCE, stands for The Civil Engineer, and the number 8, TCE8. Okay, I'm back with Isan Alfayumi from TNM Associates. And we're going to end up our interview here with our CE Hot Seat segment, which we always do. All right, Isan, you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day, whether it's a morning or lunchtime or something that you do consistently on a daily basis that's contributed to your success? Yes, uh, this is maybe more on a personal front. I uh, do meditation in the morning, so oh. about 15 minutes. I like to start my day by looking ahead on what I need to do and... Uh, one of the toughest things I found out through my career is when I tell some of my direct reports, we need to prioritize. And what I find out, prioritization means different thing to everybody. What I think is important and what this other person thinks is important are two different things. But I think trying to just start the day back to your point, Tony, when you were talking about keeping the emotional part out of the decision-making right. is key. So when you start your day really energized, having a good night's sleep, making sure that you eat healthy, starting the day optimistic about what's going to happen with positive energy is key. Because you know, as you move up in your career, your state of mind affects the entire office. Mm -hmm. If you're an energetic person, right. optimistic person is going to infuse energy to your team. So this is something I've learned. When I start in the morning, I have to start. It starts with me being relaxed, starting the day positive, good energy, plan the day as much as I can. I know most days 
what I start with ended up getting flipped upside down. But it's very important to keep your mental or state of mind in check. So you can listen, there's going to be challenges, personal challenges, client challenges, different things going to get thrown at you as you move into your career, and you should be able to handle them and, and move forward. Before I go to the next question, I just want to go a little bit more on this. I think this is really important. I didn't mention this before, but you can imagine that ESUN does quite a bit of traveling. Right. right. So you travel quite a bit. And I've talked to a couple of people here leading up to the interview about ESUN. He's really a go-getter type of guy. He's always on the move. He's always like going to the next thing and building the business and doing things. And what I'm getting at here is it sounds like, you know, even for someone like you who's constantly on the go, you need to reset each morning, right? You need to relax and you need to put yourself. You also mentioned earlier that listening to people is critical to what you do and someone that's building relationships Absolutely. and building a business. And to me, you know, sitting and listening and being very thoughtful and then being on the go and traveling are two different things. Right. right. So would you say that the meditation is, helps you with that? Oh, absolutely. Because when you reset, I like your term, resetting, it's very important because your team is going to feel your energy. And remember, I have people who have worked with me for over 27 years. And when I ask them, you know, what's the biggest thing? that you enjoy, and this is, you know, you really, you set the bar high, you give us the right tools, but you appreciate what we do. Mm. Appreciation goes a long way, and when you appreciate your team, the financial rewards are one thing, but, you know, the biggest advice I could give everyone is just appreciate and recognize your team. That goes a long way, and when you're steady, or when your emotional state of mind is in check, that goes a long way. Yeah, no, that's great. And I really love that, this whole answer and this, what we're talking about here, because I, what I always tell people is there's a pretty proverb or saying that says, if you're too busy to fill up your car with gas, eventually you're going to run out. Right, right, right. People right. are always running around, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. But if you don't take the time to do things like the resetting, the thinking through your day, the having those conversations with your team and appreciating them, these important things that a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of engineers let push to the side because they're so focused on whatever the project or the, you know, these other things, it can really come back to kind of haunt you. So think about resetting and being thoughtful on a regular basis and setting yourself up for a great day. All right, so next question, and we've covered some of these already, so you can reuse the same book or offer another one, but what's one book that you might recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you found to be very, very helpful for you personally and professionally? I'll tell you, you know, uh, Winning by Jack Welch Winning. was a great book. But I'll tell you, the book that I use a lot, mm-hmm. even in business or relationship, is The Seven Habits. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, we're always talking about when, when, you know, right. first things first, begin with the end in mind, right. you know, yeah, prioritize. It's been out for a while, but I'll tell you, that book is kind of my business Bible. It just, it has so many great things in it. And, uh, Obviously, from uh, good to great is a great good book. Great, it's yeah. a great, it's a very good book. But I encourage, you know, it's no secret that some people uh, like uh, Jack Welch, some people don't. But uh, that winning book is great. He always said, if you are not number one and number two in the market, get out of business and focus on what you're good at. And, you know, that resonates. Uh, and John Maxwell also said, you know, if you're getting D in math, and you work so hard at the end of being a C, give it up, focus on what you're good at. Right. Focus yes. on what you're yeah. And that applies to business. Don't get in areas where you can compete and you can do good products. Just focus on 
a niche market that you could add value, be profitable, and grow. And that's a key to any successful business. All right, one final question for you, which we call the critical civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer, you had about 30 seconds with him or her, you had to give them career advice in 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say don't focus on the glamorous things in a corporation. Sometimes the biggest opportunities for your career might be in a smaller company, not a big company. Follow your passion and your passion will lead you to where you want to be. And the most important advice I give them, don't do things for money. Do what you love and money will follow. Artie, son, I'm going to let you go before I do that. As far as moving forward in your career, what are you looking forward to in the future? I love to build and grow, and I love to mentor. It's funny, um, we had our board meeting yesterday, and we were talking about succession planning. Mm. And uh, I would love, you know, right now my job is to continue to do what we've been doing and expand and grow, because if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. But uh, right now I'm really focusing on uh, trying to, mentor and grow the next person who oh, is gonna, so gonna teach. Is start to teach and, and you know and How take it feel, to the next actually it's uh you know uh I'm fifty seven when I uh when we started talking about that I'm a person who I don't think I'll ever retire. Right. You know, I probably you, like you know and I, I just have to keep going as long as I can. So I wanna continue to do what I'm doing now. I see myself some point maybe uh teaching what I've learned. Sure. And I love giving back. As we get older, giving feels much more rewarding than taking. And, you know, when you enjoy what you're doing, it's really not a lot of work. That's to me, that's really the biggest thing I learned. Enjoy what you're doing. You mentioned I travel a lot. And uh, if I didn't enjoy what I'm doing, it would be hard. But I, I enjoy every moment of it. Once again, Isan Alfayumi, Senior Vice President, TNM Associates. Congratulations on everything you're doing here. Everyone I talked to here, it was raving about you and everything you're doing. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to sit down with you. I know you're very busy and that you did give back to you know our thousands of listeners that are going to get to hear this. And you don't look like anything that you're doing is a chore. You look like you're very happy, you're very engaged, and you just want to keep doing what you're doing, which is a great sign. But thank you so much for coming on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed taking the trip with me to TNM Associates and sitting down with Isan Alfayumi. He just gave so much information. I just really, really enjoyed talking with him. And I know that a lot of civil engineers, including you, I hope, will benefit from the episode. If you want to kind of get a recap, you can find it at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Just look for episode number 92. And before we do go, I just want to mention again, the next session of the Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop is September 14th. If you're not sure what it is, it's a five-week online course where you will go through five live skill building sessions on effective communication, networking and building relationships, productivity and billability, how to really build your expertise and become a better public speaker, and also, of course, leadership, high leverage leadership and delegation. You'll have assignments for each one and a group coaching call at the end so you can become a better engineering manager. And 90% of our students have been reimbursed by their firm. Just go to engineertomanager.com, engineertomanager.com. Click on the individuals tab and you can enroll. If you're a company and you want to enroll people, as soon as you get to the website, 
The video has all of the information. Once again, Anthony Fasano, it's always a pleasure to do this show for you. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 